0: I'm Marnie Vinge, and this is Iriochi. Join me and my friends as we explore the darker side of the Sooner State. we go. I'm Marnie Vinge and this is Irioki, and I'm here tonight with my dear friend Whitney Willis. Hello. Hello Whitney. How's it going? It's going really well.
1: Good. Um, Obviously from my point of view. Oh my god thank you. You're so sweet.
0: Whitney has been making over me because I kind of changed up my style a little bit. It is fire. Like seriously it is fire. I got my hair done and it's like a horizontal split dye and it's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I'm super excited about it. It's um I had always wanted to, like, have a spooky look, but I was always kind of intimidated by it. And then just recently I was like, you know what? I'm 35. I'm not getting any younger. I'm going to go
1: for it. Girl, it is never too late to embrace who you want to be. Yes. And truly embrace yourself. That's
0: so true. Yeah. And it feels good, like... I feel more myself than mm-hmm. I have in a really long time, and I think, I think the pandemic kind of like robbed a lot of people of that feeling of sense of self. Like, they absolutely did because we're all at home, like not really getting dressed up. Not Seriously, really... I was
1: working from home. I was literally like getting up, rolling out of bed in my PJs. You know, that's what I did. Didn't day. even get, didn't even get ready. You know. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Like what's it for like a year and a half. Yeah. (laughs) And if, if you want
0: to act like that won't mess with you, like, yeah, it absolutely. Yeah,
1: it absolutely will. It absolutely will mess with you. I was actually so happy when I went back to work in the office because I remember that. Yeah. Because I was actually in a routine again, like getting up, doing my makeup, fixing my hair, Mm -hmm. putting real clothes on. Yeah and you think that stuff doesn't matter but it really does it really does like it, it affects really does. it affects everything it's it kind affects of like you feel. it's kind of like a catapult you know mm-hmm. like once you um start working on yourself you know mm-hmm. and and all of that goes with it yeah it kind of radiates into everything else in your life oh i feel like that's super you know? true i feel like that's super true yeah and
0: i just like i wanted to change and i was like you know what i'm gonna embrace the spooky lady within and i'm gonna reflect that on the outside
1: if you have not so- seen marnie you <laughs> need to go to the instagram okay oh because you're it's so funny it's fire i'm you're telling so you funny. like she woke up and she's like i chose fire today oh my gosh you're so sweet You are so
0: sweet. Thank you. I appreciate it. Of course. Um, Well, we're
1: here tonight
0: to discuss something that I did not ever even know about until I started doing a little poking around looking for some obscure, not obscure, but like... Topics about haunted places in Oklahoma that I had not heard of. Oh, okay. So, tonight, we're going to be talking about Big Mac and the Warden's House.
1: Nice. I've never heard of this, so I'm actually excited.
0: Okay. Tell me more. So, we're going to be talking about the locations that's not only related to a haunting, but also related to crime. So, that's going to be interesting. Um, And... Big Mac is the Oklahoma State Penitentiary in McAllister, Oklahoma. And the place that we're going to be talking about that's haunted is the Warden's House. Ooh. So spooky, spooky vibes Are, Yeah, already. already. A Warden's House already spooky. Already spooky. Yeah. <laughs> My mom... <laughs> earlier she was like what are you doing an episode about and i was like oh i I told you and she was like oh yeah i remember the governor's mansion
1: (laughs) the governor's mansion just as spooky girl just Just as spooky spooky. you need all the stage for that one yeah you do (laughs)
0: yeah you do um, and I was like, and she was like, well, I kind of got it right. You know, it was a government official's house. <laughs> I was like, okay, fair enough. <laughs> so anyway, um, as I said, the Oklahoma State Penitentiary is located in McAllister, Oklahoma, and it's also known as Big Mac. It's located at 1301 Northwest Street, which is a weird name for a street. But it's mm-hmm. like in period West spelled out mm-hmm. street. So like the street is... Northwest Street. What? (laughs) So yeah. (laughs) It's kinda funny. All right then. Um as a s an aside, I love it when places like prisons have like a cutesy nickname. Uh, Like uh it just makes it more ominous to me. Like it's
1: like it reminds me of
0: like the prison culture and like the Green Mile, yeah, and it's, it's like
1: it's like that thing where they play, you know, like a uh, happy, uplifting song in a horror movie. Yeah, like you know, yeah, the tools. right, exactly. Yeah, like, That's the <laughs> one. Like, okay, just...
0: didn't I play that in an episode of The
1: Walking Dead? Yeah, that was
0: super creepy. Yes, that was about the little boy, yes, Sam. it was. Yeah, I remember him. I could not oh, stand yeah. him. I was, I was okay. Turn off your ears if you haven't watched The Walking Dead. And you're ever going to. But when he got eaten, mm-hmm. I was like, like the thank the Lord. You. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. This kid is so annoying. Like, I was glad he got <laughs> ate by the zombies. But, and if you were a Walking Dead fan, you will absolutely agree with me and know what I'm talking about because everybody in the fandom was like, Thank yes, you. it's about time. It's about time. <laughs> so, yeah. Um. So that part is kind of neat to me. Um. And the whole reason that the Oklahoma State Penitentiary, this is this is the neat part. OK, so the whole reason that the Oklahoma State Penitentiary was created was because a woman named Kate Bernard found out that Oklahoma prisoners being kept at Kansas State Penitentiary in Lansing, Kansas were being tortured. Whoa, what? So like there was this boss lady. That was like, oh, hell no. Like, this is inhumane. Like, this is not okay. So we're going to get into that right now. So Kate Bernard was the first commissioner of charities and corrections for the state of Oklahoma. And at that time, Oklahoma didn't have a state corrections facility. So Oklahoma's prisoners were being kept in Lansing, Kansas at the Kansas State Penitentiary. Kate went up to Kansas to check out the prison conditions there. She paid 50 cents for a tour without mm-hmm. telling them who she was. Whoa. So, like, it's weird to me that they were offering, like, tours of the prison. Like, right? 50 cents a pop. Um, But, yeah, so she and a group of others that were just civilians were taken through the prison. And after that, Kate told them who she was and demanded to do an inspection. She was like, oh, I'm going to look this place mm-hmm. over. So... They questioned her authority because, of course, like, you know, it's a woman and it's like the, let's see, what year was this? Um, I don't think I, let's see. Oh, okay. It's 1908. Um, She, like, she was a woman and she was questioning these men in authority. So they're, of (laughs) course, like. That's all you got to say. That's all, yeah. Yeah. That's all you
1: need to know and you understand.
0: They're like, "Uh uh-uh, no, you're not for real. (laughs) And uh, so finally, she was able to perform the inspection, but the whole time the warden hovered over her, probably to intimidate Mm -hmm, her. Of course. But Kate wasn't intimidated. After he was done, she left Kansas and prepared a report that became public in December of 1908, chronicling the mistreatment of the prisoners. At the time Bernard visited the prison, prisoners were being contracted out to individuals. What? They were receiving only one meal a day at meager rations, and there were many prisoners under the age of 16, which was illegal. After this report was made public, there was an outcry for reform. So basically, like contracting out prisoners to individuals is slavery. Yeah, exactly.
1: that's like that's, that's slavery. Exactly that yeah, is.
0: yeah, that's like a big no no. That and several under sixteen years old. Yes, yeah. Like
1: what the hell? Yes,
0: many, many, many prisoners under sixteen years old. Um, so Governor Haskell was governor at the time, and he'd been in the process of getting approval from the legislature to build a prison facility in Oklahoma, and around October of 1908, two months before Kate Bernard's report was made public, 100 inmates were transported to the federal jail at McAllister. The prison warden, Robert W. Dick, had the inmates build themselves a temporary stockade for housing and another group of inmates that Dick was going to use to construct the prison itself. So, according to the Oklahoma.gov website, the stockade cell house was a clapboard two-story structure which measured 30 feet wide by 132 feet long, and that's where they lived. Mm. So, that's where they lived while they were building it. Um, The legislature was dragging its feet, and Governor Haskell told them in January 1909 that the contract between Oklahoma and Kansas about the housing of prisoners was going to expire at the end of January, The legislature had not moved to renew it or to appropriate the funds for the building of the prison. Haskell basically asked them, like, what are you planning to do with these inmates that are going to need that prison? Like, what are you going to do with them? Seriously. Like, and there were 867 inmates at the time. Um so that spring they were like okay and they appropriated $850,000 uh necessary to build the prison and construction began in May of 1909. The prison was designed in the style of the Leavenworth Prison. First came the west cell house and the administration building. After that came the east cell house and the rotunda. The F cell house was added in 1935 and finally the new cell house was added. There was a tailor shop and a shoe manufacturing plant that were part of the prison's, quote, inmate industry program designed to provide work for offenders. Um, As a side note, when they were in Lansing, prisoners were forced to work in mines, which Kate Bernard put a stop to. Wow. Yeah, so they were like, like, we got these prisoners, and we're going to exploit them to the full extent that we can. That's exactly what they were doing. (laughs) Yeah, they were like, we're going to put them to work. (laughs) Um, So around this time, the warden's house was built... Completed in 1911 and designed by architect Patrick E. Weathers, the house is located, quote, directly south of the main gate of the penitentiary in a large landscaped lawn near the west edge of the penitentiary property. The white stucco cloud house faces north with a curved driveway approaching the Port Cohere on, uh, is that how do you say that? Sorry, my computer is really old and, like, the text looks pixelated sometimes (laughs) um, on the east side and leading to a small brick garage. The house completed in 1911 is two and a half stories in height and features a full-width porch. Alteration to the house included the addition and later enclosure of the sleeping porch over the port cochere. cohere, whatever that's called, Um, and it's, like... It's really pretty. It's it kind of reminds me of my great grandparents' house out in Kenton, Oklahoma. Like it it's really pretty. Hang on, I'll pull up a picture of it and show you. I wanna see. Because it's it's not a bad looking place. Let me see. Gordon's house. McAllister, Oklahoma. Let's see if there are any pictures on the Wikipedia page. I can't remember. no it doesn't have a picture on the wikipedia page but there are pictures on the national um there is a the national registry of historic places there are pictures oh um of it on there and i think i actually have those here in my document scrivener which by the way i use scrivener to outline my podcasts and um scrivener is the best it is so cool because you can look at your research right next to the document you're writing and I do that a lot, so
1: it is amazing. I love the way that it's laid out.
0: Yeah, I showed Whitney. I was like, "You need to get this. This is the best." I use it for novel writing too, but it's a it's a really it's a pretty house. Like, here's what it looks like. So it has Ooh, that like nice. that porch down below oh, yeah. and like upstairs and like yeah. it's it's a really pretty house and it looks very typical like of that time. I think that document goes on to describe the house as such: strong horizontal lines and smooth surfaces hearken to the prairie school that was popular at the time while the tile roof arcaded porch and scalloped parapet over the porch entrance reflect a Mediterranean influence. And that would definitely be true. Like mm-hmm. looking at the picture. Oh, definitely. Um, also there's no mention of the house in the official records of the appropriation of funds for the building of the penitentiary. So there's some speculation that the warden's house was like done off the books. Um, the document document goes on to state, this is speculative at best. It can be assumed that the materials were paid for out of the general appropriation for the prison itself and that convict labor was used as a matter of course. Still the political situation in the area has, has historically led to the most nefarious assumptions. Um, The document talks about how the Southeastern part of the state has historically been, Oklahoma's stepchild, their words, not mine, because I get in trouble every time I talk about eastern Oklahoma. (laughs) But um, no, they they said that historically that part of the state has been treated like Oklahoma's stepchild, and leaders have had a fierce independence from the rest of the state, some of whom, quote, have gone on to greatness, and some of whom have barely avoided being institutionalized in the Oklahoma State Penitentiary, which was the geographical legacy of the region. So lots of crooked politicians so it's you know it's speculative that it was done off the books but like who knows um the oklahoma state penitentiary is the only maximum security prison in oklahoma some of its notable inmates include nanny Doss, who we did a podcast uh-huh, about together sure uh roger dale stafford who i did a podcast about with jay sheldon back in the early days of the podcast and julius jones um Big Mac has seen its fair share of strife. So I didn't know this, but there were like several prison riots at the at McAllister oh, that were pretty my- bad. Really? Mm-hmm. So between 1970 to July 27th, 1973, there were 19 violent deaths, 40 stabbings, and 44 serious beatings at the prison. Activists were warning that the situation at the Oklahoma State Penitentiary was, quote, dire, according to Wikipedia. There was a hunger strike in January of 1973 to try to bring attention to how bad things really were at the facility. Then on July 27th, 1973, a riot started in the mess hall where five inmates started fighting. It spread throughout the prison and the riot lasted three days. Wow. At the end, three inmates were dead. Twelve buildings were burned and 21 inmates and guards had been injured. Damage was estimated at $30 million.
1: That is insane. That is insane. $30 million.
0: I remember. For three days
1: of rioting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And do you remember not that, this has not been that long ago, but there was a prison riot somewhere. And there were like prisoners that were like holding someone hostage, I think. And in not in Oklahoma. It was somewhere in the United States, though, huh. probably within the last ten years. Huh. There was a prison riot, and I cannot remember where it was, but yeah. So I'm guessing this was kind of like that, and just like lots of chaos. And can you imagine just... how
1: scary that would be in prison and having that happen? You know what I mean? Because no, I that, cannot I mean, there's imagine you can do about it.
0: I cannot even imagine.
1: I can't imagine. Penny, come here. You've got
0: something in your mouth. I I hear you. I hear you nodding (laughs) on it. Get that out of your mouth. You don't need that. Okay. Um, Also, conditions at Big Mac were found to be unconstitutional in 1978. The lawsuit was filed by an inmate prior to the riot, and the last issue of the lawsuit was not settled until 2001. So that went on for a really long time. Um Due to the court's orders, I think Penny just scared herself. (laughs) Due to the court's orders, four new housing units were built. In 1984, the aging East and West cell houses were closed. In 1983, all female inmates were moved to the Mabel Bassett Correctional Center in Oklahoma City. There was an incident on December 17th, 1985, when inmates gained control and took five prison employees as hostages. Three of those five were seriously injured before it was all said and done. The damages totaled $375,000, and two of the hostages were permanently disabled due to injuries sustained in the event. This caused the security of the facility to be overhauled. They tried to reduce inmate movements, limit recreation, and institute a level-ranking system for offenders to improve safety. Quote, in 1992, a special care unit opened to provide mental health care to offenders, reducing the need for psychiatric hospitalization outside the prison. Also, the H unit was added and it's how it houses inmates who are under administrative and disciplinary segregation. It's also where death row is located. So I'm guessing like if in prison you're on disciplinary segregation, like you're probably pretty scary. Uh, yeah, definitely. Like I'm thinking, yeah, <laughs> definitely. I'm thinking like you probably, you're, you're probably not someone you want to like run into in a dark hallway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um Take a guess at how many men and women Oklahoma executed between 1915 and
1: 2014. Oh, God. Take I don't even guess. know. Again. Uh, oh, is it high?
0: Um, I mean, it doesn't seem like a big number, but when it comes to being like executions, it seems like a big number. Uh,
1: hundred. 192. 192. Okay. Yeah. So
0: that's basically like two people a year for a hundred years. <laughs> Way to
1: go, Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh,
0: The state has used lethal injection, hanging, and electrocution. In 2015, Governor Governor Mary Fallon signed HB 1879, which made nitrogen hypoxia an alternative to lethal injection, which I'm guessing is like the gas chamber. But um, not for sure on that. (laughs) So my dad, I think I've told this story before, but um, my dad lived out in Stigler when he was growing up, and it's kind of in the eastern part of the state. And he always told me when I was little... That whenever they were executing somebody on old Sparky, the electric chair, that, that when they when they would do that at midnight, the lights would dim in stigler. Really? He told me that. <gasps> now,
1: that's crazy. I don't know that's if that's spooky. true.
0: That's spooky, though. But he told me that he said he said that happened. But so if anybody else has like anyone in their family that can verify if that's true, yes. like I would love to hear yeah. from you, because I kind of feel like my dad was telling a tall tale. But, you know, who knows? He might have been telling yeah. the truth. Um, but on a lighter note, switching from something from execution to something that's a little bit, uh, more fun. Let's talk about the prison rodeo. Uh,
1: What?
0: Yes. Okay. So McAllister had like this prison rodeo for a really long time that was like famous. Really? Yes. So, um, it began in 1940 and except during World War II and during the 1970s inmate uprising, it continued until 2009 when they no longer had adequate funding to do it, which I feel like is a crime, but, um, it was a two-day event held in August or Labor Day weekend. Accounts differ according to Wikipedia. The city of McAllister and State Department of Corrections both had a hand in the event. Prisoners came from throughout the state to compete, and women began competing in two thousand six, which prompted the documentary film "Sweethearts of the Prison Rodeo" in oh. two thousand nine. Oh. Um, yeah. So they actually have this like <laughs> prison rodeo, which Wow, I can't even. I like.
1: I I'm trying to wrap my brain around it, and I just I don't know. Yeah, I can't. it's hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have like you ever you
0: been to a rodeo?
1: No, I haven't. You haven't? No, I haven't been to oh a rodeo. Oh my gosh. Okay,
0: I've been to a rodeo. Um like I've been to a few <laughs> rodeos actually. Like we used to go to uh the I think it was the PBR
1: rodeo maybe. Is it um, the one in Texas? No,
0: it was here. Oh, okay. Maybe it's not the PBR. Maybe that's like the big one in Las Vegas. I don't know. But um I don't know the names. Like don't don't hold me to that. But um yeah, it's fun. It's like it's a little bit hard like if you really love animals because some of it seems like a little bit violent and mm. like sometimes like calves die or like mm. things like that. yeah, it's like not, the circus. yeah, mm. it's, it's so it's it's very like it's a divisive kind of thing and like I probably would not go now just because I have gotten to a point in my life where my gore and violence threshold has gotten a lot lower like I'm really? yeah, I'm like, like if I watch a horror movie and it's a slasher movie, mm. like I get freaked out more really? than I used to. Really? Yes, which is weird to me. Like it it's like my tolerance has gone down huh. for that. I don't know that's why. Interesting. But um like anytime I'm watching like one of those uh like crazy home video shows or like clips that people have shot at different places and it'll be like somebody getting gored by a bull. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I cannot watch that. Oh I that's cannot crazy. watch that. Yeah. Like I saw one the other day, I can't remember what show it was on but it was a guy getting gored by a bull and um it was like recent it happened in Spain at a bullfighting thing like mm. within the last 10 years mm. And he got gored to death in front of a live audience. If
1: it's real, I feel like I have more of a problem seeing it. If yeah. It, but if it's, like, horror, yeah. I have such an artistic vision whenever right. I'm looking at it. I'm like, ooh, look at the way they You're like, that you You're like, okay, that's good. That's yeah. good special yeah. effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, I get that. I, I can kind of do that, too. I Sometimes I think I get too much, like, empathy going on for, like, uh-huh. the characters. And I'm like, yeah, this is real. Yeah, like, this the- is really <laughs> happening. <laughs> yeah, and I get freaked out. Like shark movies freak me out like whenever people get eaten by sharks just because I think one of my biggest fears is being eaten by something Uh and I think that's a very primal fear Mm -hmm. um because I was obsessed with like the man eaters of Savo when I was a kid I was obsessed with Jaws I was obsessed with Jurassic Park and they all have that common thing of like you being eaten by something and I think being eaten is just a really scary thing. And I don't know how I got there from the yeah, rodeo, it's, but... <laughs>
1: it's pretty scary when you're on the bottom of the food chain. You yeah, know?
0: it is. It yeah. is scary. It is a very scary. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Prison Rodeo, lots of fun. Go watch that documentary. I actually am going to watch that if I can find it. Um, I think that would be fun to watch. Sweethearts of the Prison Rodeo. Now, for the money shot, what you guys are all here to hear, <laughs> <laughs> the haunting of the warden's house. Oh, yeah. So... In 2018, James Beatty wrote an article for the McAllister News about the warden's house just outside of Oklahoma State Penitentiary. Fittingly enough, this article was published on Halloween of that year. Throughout the years, stories have gone around about people hearing voices, feeling like someone was watching them, and even ghostly touches, such as someone reaching out and grabbing you, only for you to turn around and realize there's no one there. Nice. Oh, yeah. That sounds about right for a prison warden's house. Uh, Dan Reynolds was the warden of the Oklahoma State Penitentiary from 1991 to 1994. And apparently he heard a lot of stories about the warden's house. Uh, Reynolds actually wrote History of the Oklahoma State Penitentiary, which was published in 2017. And while Reynolds never experienced anything while living in the house, his daughter did. His daughter, Amanda, believed the house was haunted from james Beatty's article he reynolds quotes her as saying ghosts at the warden's house at osp yes once i stood in the middle of the white room and felt someone or something brush up against my back or the time a hand lay on my back while i brushed my teeth as if to make sure my daily good habits were taking place how about the cough and the feel of someone striking down on the edge of the twin bed where i slept sinking down on the edge of the twin bed where i slept or the faint sound of footsteps that whispered over the wood floor. It was pretty intense.
1: Oh, Yeah.
0: Like, okay, so my grandparents' house out in Kenton, which this house reminds me of, um, it is completely dilapidated now. Like, it is, it's like, probably needs to be demolished because it's so, um... What is that word that they use? Like it's, it would probably be condemned. Like if Mm -hmm. anyone went and like inspected it because it's just so old and my great grandfather built it and, um, it's, it's got like tunnels underneath the house, which I'm pretty sure are like probably a hazard at this Mm -hmm. point. Like, you know, just because they, you could fall through the floor or something. I don't know, but it's an old, old house and I can remember being out there and never hearing anybody in my family talk about the place being haunted or anything like that. But I could totally see a place like that being haunted, mm-hmm. And that's what I'm picturing as Good. I'm picturing what is happening down there. What are you doing? Oh, she's looking out the window. Okay. Um, I can totally picture a place like that being super spooky. Yeah.
1: I Especially get like
0: McAllister Prison looms oh, in the yeah, distance. Of course. Like it totally makes me think of the Green Mile. Yeah. Like 100%. Yeah. Um Let's see. Uh, She also heard people talking in her bedroom, heard her name being called, and her pet cockatoo would go nuts in his birdcage when no inhabited body was near. But in the basement, she had her creepiest experience. Penny, stop. 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 I used to love playing pool in the basement all by myself until the most creepiest thing ever happened. I had a few girlfriends over for the weekend, and we wanted to play pool. While we walked down the narrow staircase, the narrow, plush, carpeted steps, the barroom door slammed in our faces. My mother said it sounded like a herd of elephants trampling up the stairs and a slew of monkeys screaming. With white faces and pounding hearts, I slammed the door to the basement that day and swore never to return by myself ever again. And she kept her word she never did. Um, There was another daughter of a warden who had experiences in the house. Reynolds was able to talk to a woman who lived there in the 1960s while her father worked at the prison. She heard a woman's voice call her name, often felt like she was being watched and even had someone grab her ankle when she was getting into bed and she had to kick repeatedly to get free. One night she and her, she and her aunt both heard someone coming from the foyer up the stairs into the attic all night long. Wow. That's creepy.
1: There's a lot of grabbing going on in that house. Have you noticed I know, that? There's a, yeah. I've noticed a uh, correlation in yeah. stories. Yeah. There's, yeah, yeah. there's, there's a lot is. of
0: grabbing happening, and I don't know how I feel about yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know how I yeah. feel about that either. Um, <laughs> um, there was also a deputy warden who lived west of the house uh, uh, whose dog barked like crazy upstairs at the warden's house on two occasions. When I went to see what was going on, the dog was in the hallway just outside the bedroom in the southwest corner of the house, barking at the bedroom and wouldn't enter um that I think anytime an animal is afraid of something like something's up
1: you know what I will always question a human I will never question a dog
0: yeah same ever same same (laughs) like Penny is like very rarely wrong about people like she is very rarely wrong about people and I feel like all my dogs are that way Mm. and um like I think it's really creepy whenever a dog or a cat just stares off into space
1: oh yes it is it's so creepy it's like
0: what do you see uh uh-huh. and I think um I think I've talked to, maybe we've talked about that on the podcast before about like animals possibly being able to see things that we can't. Yes, okay exactly. So speaking of that, I was watching The Unexplained with William Shatner and there was this episode about um bonds between humans and animals. Mm-hmm. So there was this cat. Um this I think this was back in like somewhere between nineteen fifty and nineteen eighty. Somewhere like that, maybe. Maybe it was more recent. Um, but this family moved across country, like, thousands of miles.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And this cat found its way to them.
1: Wow. Like,
0: if they lived in Maine, they moved to California, and that cat found what? them. They had to leave the cat behind because they That's couldn't insane. have a cat there. But that cat found them. It's legit Homer bound. Right. And what they were talking about in that show was, there's no way it's the scent trail. There's no way it's the scent trail. It just That's cannot crazy. possibly be the scent trail. And they were talking about how maybe it's a psychic trail.
1: oh, Like
0: the energy. That's a good And like theory. the cat knew,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I recognize this energy. My people are this way. Mm-hmm. And just followed that like beacon all the that, way there. That energy path. Yeah. And there are lots of stories like that about cats and dogs finding their mm-hmm. owners oh, after yeah. like being missing for oh, years yeah. or them moving across yes. country. And so I'm like, that... When when they presented that theory, I was just like mind blown. Yeah. Like I was like, Oh my God, that is insane. But yeah, so I always trust like when dogs act like and this dog right here is acting like something's outside right now because she keeps sticking her head in the window and I'm trying to get her She's to She's just adding to the ambiance. She is. She's trying to tell us there's like a serial killer out yeah, there. Uh-huh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whitney's going to be like don't look behind Hang you. Non
1: serial killer. We're recording a podcast. Just you a can minute. murder us here in about an <laughs> hour. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> so okay. Yeah. Um, and Dan Reynolds was in the process of continuing to gather stories of the haunting of the warden's house at the time of that article. So if you have any information on that send me an email and I'll pass it along or check the group for uh, or check the group for the article link and the address for him is in that. I might post that tomorrow. Um, so anyway, uh, that's about all I've got for you guys on the Warden's House at McAllister. Um, that
1: was awesome. I
0: hope you've he- enjoyed hearing a little bit about the history of Oklahoma State Penitentiary or Big Mac and the haunting of the Warden's House. Thank you, Whitney, for reading here. Of course. Would you anytime. like to plug anything?
1: In? Uh, no.
0: Okay. All right. You guys find me at Irioki on Facebook and on Instagram. The Facebook group is Eriokis plural and email me at Irioki podcast at, at gmail.com or Marnie at Irioki.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Um, until next time, y'all stay spooky.
1: Bye.